I want to tell you something, and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life. From innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition, to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory, I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say, it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I want to thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our Plant Strong milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things Plant Strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support and please stay tuned for exciting updates at planstrong.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Snackables with Jessica Hegarty and myself, Rip Esselstyn, where we basically, we chew and we dish on all things food, specifically plant strong foods. Right, Jess? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited about today's episode as well. Yeah. So how are you doing? How, how have you been? I haven't seen you in person in a while because everything that's going on with, you know, the the, the the new Delta strain that's out there. I know, I know. Well, our baby girl is due in six weeks. I can't believe how fast these last few weeks have flown by. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing everything we can to try to stay safe uh, from this COVID spike that's happening in our area right now. So in the spirit of Plant Strong prioritizing health and wellness, I'm so glad we opted to do this one remotely. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. So appreciate appreciations and thanks to all of you listening or watching um, and your patience while we get through this together. Uh, so, so Jess, what are some things that are top of mind that you'd like for us to kind of talk about today? I know that last uh, our last session of Snackables, we really chewed on our stews. <laughs> our stews and our chilies that actually are rolling out as we speak across the country into Whole Foods stores. Yes, yes, yes. We're we're seeing our broth chilies and stews popping up uh, in Whole Foods market stores around the U.S. And I want to give a special thanks to all the fans who are sending us pictures of our products on shelves in their local stores. This is very exciting. 
Very is. exciting. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so speaking of that, have you, have you gotten any emails or anything that have caused you to do any research like you do so well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I love how engaged our audience is. I love the questions they throw our way, even if they're challenging. I really do welcome those. So I wanted to start this episode following up on a comment that we received uh, on our last episode, on our Choose episode. This was something that was posted to YouTube and It's regarding lie that's used in hominy. For people that don't know what lie is, what is lie? Um, My familiarity with it is I think of Tyler Durden in Fight Club using lie to give the kiss burn um, on on Edward Norton character's hand. That's what I think of when I think of lie. Um, it's, it's a chemical, it's a chemical substance that you probably don't want to consume. It's very abrasive. Um, and so when I saw this, uh, YouTube comment about lye used in the processing of hominy, um, I wanted to make sure that our audience members know that our organic hominy does not use lye in processing. It actually uses a saltwater brine Mm. that's later blanched to prepare the kernel. But it's important for our customers to know if you're exploring some home cooking with hominy, if you're buying it out of a can, um, make sure you investigate how that hominy is prepared. And I'd I'd recommend sticking with organic if Mm. you can find it. Uh, it's not guaranteed that lye isn't used in the process, but it's it's more likely that they're using that same brine. Yeah. Technique. Wow! Holy hominy! That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. The things the um, things that we unearth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So so Rip, um, I know many folks are listening and not watching, but in the spirit of uh, our enthusiasm about. Uh, our subject matter today, we're going to talk about broths. I know you can see them in my background. Um, And I'd like to talk about a few things here. I'd like to talk about how we like to use them in whole food plant-based cooking. I want to chat a little bit about the genesis of our plant-strong broths and how those four flavors came about. And I'd also like to solve some mysteries about hidden sources of sodium and talk about some not so savory ingredients that can be found in natural flavors. Ooh. So we don't have to swear off natural flavors completely, but we want to proceed with caution whenever we see them in a product. And so to talk about that a little yeah. bit more. Well, that all sounds dynamite. I can't, I can't wait. So where do you want to dive in first? Well, let's, let's talk about how our audience uses broths because it's a little bit different, right? Um, broths are a, a pantry stable. Chances are Everyone's got some sort of vegetable broth in their pantry. And the average person, when they purchase broths, it's probably because they're making a soup, they're making a stuffing or a casserole. Maybe they are using it to, you know, do some some grains, like some home-cooked rice or some beans, and they want to give the flavors a little oomph. But our whole food plant-based audience has a unique and specific way of using vegetable broth that really surprised me when I first started looking about uh, uh, learning about plant-based cooking. 
Okay. Um, well, it, and it's probably something I've been doing forever, but uh, I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. What is it? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's using vegetable broth in place of oils yeah. when, when sauteing. And I remember when I started learning about this lifestyle, somebody told me just saute it in broth instead of oil. I was like, nah, that's, that's just not going to work. Yeah. That's, that, that's not how it works. That's, uh, it's going to stick. It's not going to brown. I'm sorry, but that's not, that's not how this, these things work. And thank goodness I was learning about it during an actual cooking demonstration. So I was able to see it with my own, own two eyes. Otherwise I would have just brushed it off. I'm like, I'm not trying that. It's not yeah. going to work. Yeah. And it wor- because and, chemistry. And it works beautifully well. It really does. So for listeners who are skeptical who haven't tried sauteing with broth, let me assure you it can be done. And it's actually a great way to build flavor in a dish. So you're adding that additional layer of herbs, adding that additional, those additional savory notes of uh, extra vegetables. And that's why it's used in so many recipes. It's a subtle way to really take meals to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Especially without having to, in some recipes, do all that that tedious chopping and cutting and dicing, um, you can basically replace that with a really good broth. Absolutely. You can, it, it, it's a really simple shortcut. So for those who might not be familiar, I'd like to talk about our tips and tricks for oil-free cooking. I know you guys do a lot of cooking yeah. demos. I know that there are going to be plenty, uh, with, uh, plant stock, right? There's going to be some cooking demos, that uh, no doubt will be oil free. And so when you're sauteing with water or broth, the first thing I would say is the pan really matters. Mm -hmm. It really matters what kind of pan you're doing. So we're going to put some links in the show notes to something called green pan. Rip, have you used this before? The green pan? Yeah, that's what I have here at uh, at the office. Yep. You do? Yep. You have one? Yep. I don't know if it's accessible, if you can hold it up, but we'll definitely make sure to link it in the, in the show notes. Apparently it has really good nonstick properties, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been using it for a couple of years. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a really nice pan. It's not that expensive. Um, and then of course, the other one that <clears throat> maybe you were getting to that I've that I used as a firefighter for 12 years and that we have in our home uh, that is just so utilitarian and it's so versatile is just a cast iron, right? It's yep. just, it's, it is, it is, uh, it's got a lot of heft, a lot of heft to it and a lot of durability, but, yeah. but, but you want to make sure you take care of it, right? And you don't put the dish soap on it. And after you, you know, clean it off with water, you want to dry it immediately. It, it does require a certain level of, of tender, loving care. Maintenance. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. With, with cast iron. So, you know, using any type of nonstick pan, we recommend green pan or cast iron. We found that to, to be the best for uh, sauteing with, with waters and broths. And then we also, we pulled the team yeah. about what kind of utensils we use whenever we're doing uh, dry. I call it dry sauteing because we're not using oil, but um, so Rip, what kind of, what kind of utensil do you use when you're sauteing vegetables with broth? It's always a wooden spoon. 
same same in our household and same in our plant strong team members households as well so wooden spatulas are really the secret and then in terms of techniques you really want to heat the skillet first whatever skillet you're using and then add a small amount of liquid maybe one to two tablespoons at first and stir constantly so you slowly allow that liquid to uh, steam and help saute and then slowly add more liquid uh, as is needed. So it you do have to babysit it a little bit. You can't just, yep. you know, put it on the frying pan and walk away from it. Um, but it can be done. And Rip, don't you have a great tip for what to do with excess broth? If you've got a little bit left over, a way of keeping it fresh and preserving it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think you, I think I do. So yeah. it, it, I think what you're referring to is pulling out out of the freezer at the empty <laughs> the uh, ice cube tray and then put it in your ice cube tray, freeze it, and then you have little individual serving sizes of broth that you can put in before you stir fry that vegetable, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that onion or stir fry or whatever it is. And it is super uh, super simple and super easy. I love it. I, that yeah. is a genius kitchen hack uh, to put leftover broth in an ice cube tray. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, mine doesn't last that long. Uh, we usually use a good amount of it whenever we're cooking, but if you do have any leftover, that's a great way to not let it go to waste because I think it'll only last like seven to 10 days in the fridge. So that's a great way to make it last a little longer as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, that was sauteing. What about roasting without oil? Again, when I learned about whole food plant-based cooking, I did not believe that you could just roast vegetables in the oven without any oil. So what do you guys use at home? So we use use parchment paper. Love love parchment paper. You, You cut off what you need. I then crumple it up into a ball, and then I lay it down on top of um, the cookie sheet. And then by mm-hmm. crumpling it up, it doesn't come up on the sides. It stays it stays down, it stays flat, and then I put on whatever I want. Um, and uh, really, that's, that's it. It's that simple. That's a pro tip. I haven't heard of uh, crumpling it up so that it, it lays flat and yeah. comes up on the sides. Yeah, it's a obvi- great tip. You obviously haven't been following me on Instagram lately. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that demo. I haven't seen that demo. Um, I want to be clear. I don't know, Rip, if you've ever made this mistake, but I have, and it's it's not a fun one. Have you ever accidentally used wax paper instead of parchment paper? <laughs> no. You know They're what? They're very different. No, they are. And I, I don't think I have only because... I don't think we have wax paper in the house. I could be wrong, but yeah. No, you don't need it. And it just, it burns and makes your kitchen all smoky. And it is very different from parchment paper. I didn't know. Yeah. That was a a rookie rookie mistake that I want to make sure our audience is aware of. Wax paper and parchment paper are very different. Use parchment paper for roasting vegetables. Yeah. Um. So uh, another, another, what we use in our household, we sometimes use parchment paper, but we invested, invested, I think it was like $20 for two on Amazon, these silicone baking mats. Yeah. So for people who like to, you know, kind of reuse, uh, those are a great option. They make a great gift, but I'll say that they do kind of turn brown and get, get dirty looking 
you know, over time. Yeah. Uh, they're still clean, but they're just not beautiful and pristine. They look used, which that's, I think is okay. No, that's okay. We call that the plant strong patina, right? And patina. You should, yeah, plant strong patina. And you want to wear that badge of, of messiness very proudly. Yes, it means you're eating a lot of oil-free vegetables. It's great. Well, yeah, it, mean, it means you're living <laughs> living the lifestyle. For sure, for sure. So in terms of, of techniques, uh, one thing that I would recommend, and I know you do this as well, Rip, is before you go to roast a vegetable, you want to give it some sort of marinade. So that can be a broth, that can be a vinegar, anything with liquid that's going to help whatever seasonings or spices you put on after the fact really stick to, um, to the, the vegetable or the potato, whatever it is that you're doing. And I, I heard, I haven't tried this, but the same thing goes for an air fryer. You don't have to put any oil in the air fryer. You just have to apply moisture to the vegetables. That's going to help bring out the, the, the crispiness when you actually fry it in an air fryer. So for those of you who have air fryers, you can do oil-free roasting there as well. Just make sure you're giving it some sort of liquid marinade, add your spices, and then don't put any oil in the air fryer. Mm, mm. Nice little tip. <clears throat> nice little tip. Any other tips, tricks? Do we cover them all? Oh, we haven't even come close, but I think that that's, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think that's good for now. Yeah. Those, those are the highlights. Those are the highlights. Great. Well, Rip, I'd love to, you know, in, in typical snackables style, give our, our listeners a little behind the scenes, fun history about how our plant strong broths came to be, how they were born. And, um, yeah. You know, the first one I'd like to talk about is is the the slow simmered vegetable stock. So, do you want to talk about that history? Sure, absolutely. I'll 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 start it. Um so a lot of you love 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 the Engine 2 organic vegetable stock. And that has been a all-time favorite at Whole Foods stores for probably going on 7 years. And it was our, out of all of the products that we had on the shelf, it was our number one best-selling product. And, um, you know, it was low sodium. It didn't have any added salt. There were 20 milligrams of sodium per serving. And if you look at this, this category, meaning the bras and the stocks, it is notoriously insanely high in, in sodium. I mean, we're talking... A typical serving is anywhere, for most broths, is anywhere between 200 at the low to a high of maybe 720, 800, right? Yeah, 900, Nine, 900. It's yeah, crazy. If, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I think as people are starting to be more conscientious about the amount of sodium that they're putting into their bodies, um, they've realized that there's a... There's something to a low sodium, no added salt broth that still does the trick, that can deliver on that promise of what a stock or a broth is supposed to do. And uh, it, we became like the number three selling stock broth at Whole Foods. And so when it was time you know, for me to take Engine 2 
and, um, and move beyond Whole Foods after my 10-year contract, uh, I had to go through the same process that anybody, any potential vendor would. And so I met with the category manager at Whole Foods in the stocks and broths and soups and chilies um, category. And she was like, Rip, I-, I love, love this Engine 2 product. In fact, I love it so much that I would love to see you do line extensions where you take some different, unique flavor profiles and really deliver on that. And, and that's how, that was the genesis of, right, what is behind you there with the veggie broth, the, the shiitake mushroom broth, this Spanish-style sofrito broth, and then the sweet corn broth. And I think it's important to say that each and every one of these, we've, we've followed that same protocol where the sodium is anywhere from 10 milligrams per serving at the low to the high being 20 and and then one of them being 15 milligrams. And again, no added sodium in any of these. It's And the only sodium that's in there is just naturally occurring from the vegetables that we use. Um, and, and we really, and I'd love for you to speak about this, Jess. We've created some really unique flavor profiles and there's nothing else like them on the market. Absolutely. I, I am so proud that ours are truly unsalted. Um, and I know we looked at, you know, all of the sodium in these broths come from the naturally occurring sodium in vegetables. So I know when we were first starting to think about, okay, what flavors do we want to do next? We actually looked up a bunch of different vegetables yeah. and looked at their naturally occurring sodium content. So things like onions, for example, actually have really low sodium, about eight milligrams per hundred eight milligrams of sodium per hundred grams of onion. Yep. Carrots are a little bit higher. They're, they're 70 milligrams of, of sodium. Beets are 80. Uh, celery is 80 as well. And then Swiss chard. I remember I couldn't yeah. believe it. Swiss chard, 213 milligrams of naturally occurring sodium per hundred grams. Wow. That's some salty stuff. How about how about spinach? Do you have any numbers for spinach? I don't yeah. remember. I don't have that one in front of me, but I think it was up there as well. I think it was really close to the Swiss chard. Yeah. Well, and to me, what's so, so what's so interesting about you just rattling off those numbers. So that what people, I want people to realize is that just by consuming really a, a whole food plant-based diet where you're really focused on foods as close to grown as possible you're still going to get all the naturally occurring sodium that you need as a, as a human being. And where we get into trouble is with all the processed and refined foods, the packaged, the canned foods that are just notoriously high of being pumped to the gills with, with sodium, um, which is one of the reasons why we're obviously so, so proud of not only our broths and our chilies and our stews, but also every product that we come out with at Plant Strong because it's, it's one of our pillars. Is to be exactly. is to be either lightly salted or, or low sodium, and to really, where that nexus of health and taste meet, to be the absolute Brock star. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And unsalted, it, it's so culinary, right? It's a culinary term, but it it gives you the flexibility to control your salt level, so you can salt your, you know, whatever you made with these broths. You can salt it at the table as opposed to letting sodium be one of the flavors that you build with over time, which can 
results in a huge amount of sodium in the final dish. Yep. That's not a flavor. Salt is not a flavor you want to build. Vegetables and herbs and aromatics, yes. those are flavors that you want to build. Yes, and I'm glad you said all that because, you know, we we are not opposed to people having a salt shaker on their dinner table, right? Be, believe it or not, only 6% of America's salt consumption comes from the salt shaker. The remaining wow. 94% is coming from, again, the processed and packaged and canned foods, restaurant foods that are just crazy high. And then, of course, when we cook, we put some in there, but that's only like another 8%. So um, if you're eating whole plant-based foods, you got you you know you you buy products that have either low sodium, lightly salted, follow the one to one guideline that we really like people to adhere to. You're not going to be going over that 1500 milligrams per day, which is really the sweet spot where we want you to be. Exactly, exactly. So yes, really proud of our unsalted broths, and we'll we'll talk about other sources of of sodium here in a second, but I want to, I want to keep chatting about these different yeah. flavors because there is a specific reason for the creation of each one of these. Yeah. So the, we, we talked about our vegetable stock and how it, it really was the inspiration. It was doing really well in whole foods. And we had to find another supplier partner when we transitioned out of whole foods. And I'm so grateful we found an amazing new supplier partner who now makes these broths and their strength is sourcing really top quality ingredients. And I think you can taste that in the final result. So they had to reverse engineer yep. our recipe. We agree that they more than nailed it. And we toyed around with a few things, right? We toyed, we played with bringing in more carrot to bring up the sweetness. And I think folks will be really happy with the, final result. Oh yeah. No, so that the, was the first one. Yep. The, the, the quality we is, is in fact, I think superior to where, to what the old product was. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so when we started talking about what should we do for a second skew uh, or set a second flavor, we talked to the whole foods man category manager. We talked to our chef consultant, Ken Rubin, but we knew Rip, we had been talking about it for a long time. We wanted to do a mushroom broth and they are, mushrooms are gaining in popularity as more and more people they're, learn about the incredible health properties, right? Well, they should. And they're, they're, they're really fun guys. <laughs> yeah, they're fun guys. Do you have a favorite variety of mushroom, Rip? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, I have hunted before for the chanterelle. It's a fascinating uh, mushroom. It's very expensive and kind of seasonal. Um, you know, I've never been a huge fan of the portobello unless it's cooked really, really like, like the way uh, Derek Sarna likes to cook it. Just like get all the, the, the fluid out of it and just really like and season it appropriately and, and really cook it, the, the dickens out of it. But uh, I would say if I had a favorite, it would probably be the the shiitake or the cremini. Um, that's it. Yeah, classic. Yeah. yeah, classic. How about you? Those are you can you can find those in any grocery store. I I love I love both of those. You brought up chanterelles. I actually tried these for the first time yeah. last month. I went to the farm in Tennessee to visit some of the 
the Hegarty family friends, and they had fresh foraged chanterelles. Oh wow! And and Rip, I just I devoured them. I felt I felt kind of bad for eating so many, <laughs> uh, but I'm pregnant and I wanted to yeah. make sure all those healthy compounds were going for the baby. So. That was my window to eat them, and I, I really enjoyed them. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite, when I'm cooking at home, I really like shiitakes. It's my yeah. favorite conventional mushroom variety, and they're they're really mild. They have almost a buttery flavor to them. I really like them. And the reason I'm so proud to have a mushroom flavor broth is mushrooms are really rich in B vitamins. Uh They have B1, B2, B3, B5, and B9. Do you know what B9 is by any chance? I didn't. B9, help me out. (laughs) It's very important for pregnant ladies. Very important. Is it folate? What is it? It's folate. Nailed it. Good job. Nice. Uh, So, so, um, there's folate in, in mushrooms and there are also beneficial compounds specific antioxidants in mushrooms that aren't found in any fruits and vegetables aren't found anywhere else in nature. So if you're not eating mushrooms, I know it's a polarizing ingredient, try to sneak some in, cut them up really small, eat them when you can, um, or get some of our, our mushroom broth. It's a really great, great way to get some of those unique antioxidants and, and B vitamins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything, should we talk use cases right now or is that, you want to do that later? (laughs) Well, we're going to share some really awesome recipes. So I think we can do that later. But one thing that I wanted to bring up that was really exciting for us with a mushroom broth is you can't find a single low sodium mushroom broth option on the market. I haven't seen them. I'm constantly searching. You can't find a low sodium option, let alone a completely unsalted. So we were so excited uh, to, to be the first there. So really happy with that, with that skew, really excited for people to try it. And um, yeah, it's not, it's not the only good one that we have in our repertoire. Do you want to talk about the Sofrito? Well, the, 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 <laughs> well, I know, I know when, when we were uh, doing some taste testing for the Sofrito, you uh, heated it, heated some up and you said that this is how you want your kitchen to always smell because it was just so yes. warm and inviting and and the something about the aroma was just so delicious i just remember you just like um just being so over the moon excited about uh, about the sofrito but uh yeah I, it, it, it's it's the sofrito <laughs> it's a, it's it's a spanish style sofrito so you've got You've got the bell peppers, you've got the leeks, um, the, the, the cilantro, the tomato, the garlic. It's just a wonderful um, combination uh, of, of, of flavors. And I've never, I've never tasted anything like it. Yes, yes, Rip. And you know what's funny? I remember that day that you're talking about. I remember opening it up and the yeah. smell that came from it. It really reminded me of my, my dad's kitchen. So he's an amazing traditional Italian cook and the base for just about everything he makes, stir fries, soups, sauces. He always starts with a quick saute of garlic, onion, and bell peppers, which is are, are the, the main ingredients in the sofrito broth. 
So um, the idea with this one is that we really wanted to save folks the time of mincing and dicing those three ingredients. If you're doing a, a quick stir fry, you're making some broccoli or something, and you don't want to cut up garlic, onion, bell peppers, pull out your herbs, etc. You can just throw in a splash of this so sofrito broth, and it imparts a really awesome flavor to even just a simple saute. So really, really excited. This sofrito broth is 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 my favorite and the one I think we'll use <laughs> most frequently at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about what do we got? Sweet corn, right? That's that's the last one, and that's the sleeper. I'm ex <laughs> it's yeah, I know we call it the sleeper. You know, Rip, we can't take credit for that one. No. We flat out, mm -mm. this was Ken Rubin's idea. We flat out asked him, our, our, our chef consultant. Well, I hey, think, Ken, and, and, I, and I think we talked about, if you guys don't know, Ken appeared on the, the, the Plant Strong podcast in, in season three. So tune in to Ken. He's one of the most spectacular uh, chefs in the country, really knows plant-based like nobody's business. And, um, and we talked about him, I think, uh, on the last episode of Snackables regarding the kitchery specifically that we were stunned and amazed to find out that both you and Ken prepared this, you know, Indian, Indian lentil stew on a weekly basis, which is on called a, a which is called a kitchery over in India. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, well, Ken, I remember we, we flat out asked him, you know, what, what would you like to see on shelves? And he said, you know, in culinary school, a very common base for many recipes, you know, that starts with a, a corn, a corn stalk. Yeah. You're like corn stalk. Whoa. Hmm. It's like, yeah, those, those amateur home chefs are going to love it. I mean, that's, you know, going to save a, a major step. It has this nice sweetness. It's, it's got a buttery flavor. Uh, and so we, we, you know, worked on a recipe and yeah, we call it our sleeper skew because people don't know they need a corn broth until they try <laughs> a corn broth. And then that's something that they need going forward. So I would recommend, uh, for this, for this product, uh, you know, at home, we, we often combine corn and grains, like a corn and quinoa. We call it cornwa, right? Sounds yeah. fancy. It's just corn and quinoa. Yeah. Um, I love that flavor combination of grains with the sweet pops of corn. So I would use this broth in place of water when you're making any type of grain, quinoa, brown rice, millet, whatever you do at home. That's what I would, that would be yeah. my first uh, exploration with this. Well, with this so Jill and I, we were playing with this and we used it in our macaroni and not cheese recipe instead of water, Ooh. instead of water Ooh. when you're making, you know, the, 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 the cashew roasted red bell pepper, lime juice and nutritional yeast kind of cheese. Instead of using water, we used this sweet corn broth and it was insane, insane. Yum. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds amazing. Well, I know we have some special recipes that were designed for these broths by Brenda Reed, our, our event uh, chef who supports almost all of the Plant Strong events that are happening. And so we're going to post her recipes in the show notes. But for easy access, we are also posting these recipes. Rip, you want to share 
uh, how, how, how listeners can access these recipes straight from the Plant Strong broth box? Oh, yes, yes. So, <laughs> so you, you can let me, okay, so we have a QR code. If, you're, if you don't know what a QR code is, it's on the side of the box and you hold your, you hold your phone up to it and you just have to put it on your, your camera mode, put it on your photo mode like you're going to take a photo. And then it basically will then fire up the URL, meaning the website, on the top of your phone. And you click on that and it will take you to the recipe. It's super simple. Yeah. Yeah. Super simple. So when you're standing in your kitchen, actually making something with these broths and don't want to go back to your computer to try to pull up the show notes and dig out the recipe, pull out your phone, pretend like you're taking a picture of the side of the box and it's going to automatically pull up the link to the fabulous recipe. Or what you might want to do is if you're in the store, do it. And then that way you can see if you're missing any ingredients that you don't have at home and you can get them while you're there. Good idea. Good idea. You need it in both places, in your kitchen and in the store. That's a great tip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Rip, I'd love to talk about natural flavors because as we were looking at broths and looking at what was currently on shelf, uh, we saw, you know, some oils and some brands, some sugars and other brands, salt, of course. But I want to also talk about natural flavors because I like trying to answer your questions, just like I love the the customer questions that are coming our way. I like trying to answer your questions, Rip. And uh, last time or on, on a previous episode, the you, question was, go ahead. You're talking about the Pacific uh, oat milk? Exactly. Why is Pacific oat milk so sweet? It has something like 17 or 19 grams of included sugar listed in the nutrition facts. But it's interesting but no because, sh- because it... It didn't used to be included as added sugars and that mm-hmm. they made a change maybe around a year and a half, two years ago. And you, you talked about how they add enzymes that basically mm-hmm. break it down into these, these sugars, right? The- exactly. So, so I'm guessing there was some sort of regulation yeah. change that motivated them to change the label, but they're adding enzymes that break down that yep. oat starch into yeah. sugars, yeah. essentially. So that's why it's so sweet. And that's why they don't list sugar in the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Well, this week's question. Yeah. This week's question is how can kitchen basics unsalted vegetable broth for those of you who have seen it or um, have used this at home? It has 210 milligrams of sodium per serving without any added salt. So how is this possible? They're Wait. unsalted broth. Uh, the yeah. only way that I can think of is if the number one, two, three, and four ingredient is Swiss chard. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. They got to just load that stuff up with Swiss chard. Yeah. For, for comparison, Rip, our, our plant strong broths, as you mentioned, they've got a ton of vegetables, yep. but no more than 10 to 20 milligrams of sodium per serving. So how does Kitchen Basics have 10 times the sodium with no salt? Here are my thoughts. So- The extra sodium in that unsalted broth could come from vegetables like Swiss chard, but I didn't see any in the ingredient list, or it could come from a longer cook time, but I didn't see spinach. I didn't see those higher sodium ingredients, and I didn't see any indication of slow simmering. Also, 
I think you would notice if they were using more vegetables, you'd probably see it in the price, right? It'd be really, really expensive. And you would probably notice it also in the color of the broth. It would be like dark, darker. And you'd notice uh, more of a richness in the taste. I've had this unsalted broth before. It's very light. It's very mild. So I don't think that's what's happening. So what what do you think is happening? <laughs> so up, upon inspection of their ingredient list, I noticed that natural flavors are listed as an ingredient. And it's pretty high on the ingredient list too. It's before herbs and spices actually. So they have a good amount of some sort of natural flavor in, in there that I think is contributing to the sodium. So <clears throat> I wanna be clear, not saying that all natural flavors are bad. I actually enjoy uh, Waterloo watermelon sparkling water with natural flavors. I enjoy my organic almond milk, which has some natural flavors. Rip, they are in everything. Yep. Uh, natural flavors are so commonly used. I read an environmental working group study of 80,000 food products. They found that only salt, water, and sugar appear more frequently on food labels. Wow. Those are the only things that appear more frequently. Isn't that crazy? So there's probably a, so, a, spe a spectrum as far as with natural flavors, as far as, you know, being going from not not bad for you to really not being healthy for you and there is a spectrum yeah and and it's it's natural flavors are this broad classification by the fda and so my my point here is um you know, if you're eating any packaged foods, chances are you're eating a variety of natural flavors. Mm. And I want our listeners to be aware um, of those natural flavors and feel empowered to ask questions and investigate which natural flavors are being used and for what purpose, because that can vary. Wow. So I, I wanted to give a few details about, about natural flavors. And the first thing I wanted to do is talk about the difference between artificial flavors and natural flavors. So it's based on where the flavors are derived. Natural flavors are derived from plants and animals and artificial flavors are derived from man-made substances. But on a molecular level, they can be exactly the same. So mm. natural derived from plants and animals, artificial Man -made. usually made in a lab, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we know, the world natural, the word natural doesn't mean a whole lot in the food industry, right? There's no FDA definition of the word, so it doesn't carry a lot of meaning. Anyone can call anything natural. Hmm. But, but there are regulations around natural flavors. For example, you can't put MSG in a product and call it natural flavoring. But there isn't much transparency into natural flavors, their processing, the chemicals that are used. And honestly, Rip, Natural flavors, they may have started off as a naturally derived substance, but they could have been processed and chemically altered beyond recognition. Mm. Um, so here's 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 the kicker for our vegan listeners, and this really surprised me. Yeah. Hear me out, hear me out, y'all. Companies are not required to list the source of flavorings, whether they come from animals or plants. So unless a manufacturer explicitly states that the natural flavors in their products are derived wow. from plants or they have a vegan certification, yeah. there's no way of knowing where they come from. And that's what I noticed when I was researching Pacific Foods and Kitchen Basics. 
Uh, they say that they're vegan, but they're not certified. So I think we should follow up and email them and see where their um, natural flavors come from. Wow. And isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So be on the lookout for that vegan certification and what is, email. And what does that vegan certification look like? Um, the, a vegan label in the, you know, uh, on the packaging somewhere. Right. So basically like what we have here, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, mm -hmm. the V, but exactly. yeah. So it, if it's, if it's got that little stamp of approval, I guess then you know that your natural flavors, everything is coming from, from plants and, and not some sort of a nefarious, uh, source. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And another thing about natural flavors is a lot of scary things can hide in there. For example, have you heard about castorium? You heard about this? Castorium. I don't even know what that is. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a rumor on the internet that has been uh, inducing vomit, uh, inducing nausea in some home bakers trying to save a buck. So castorium is a heavily scented brown goo that is secreted from a beaver's castor gland, which butts up against its butt. The beaver, <laughs> the beaver's anal gland. What? Exactly. So, it yeah, it's how they mark their territory, much like cats, right? Spray. So beavers use this castor gland, um, and it actually smells really good, or so the internet wow. tells me. Who? Wow. I wonder who's the first person that was like, hey, that's pretty good scent. Let's see that if we can bottle that. Great. Let's bottle that up as a perfume or a natural flavor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so I did check and <laughs> castorium is on the FDA's list of of grass food additives, generally recognized as safe food additives. And it has been used as a natural food flavoring for the past century. So it's used as a replacement vanilla replacement raspberry strawberry in some flavorings and foods and technically it is a natural flavor um it's a little too natural for my taste i'm not going for that kind of natural yeah. uh but rest assured for people who are using you know imitation vanilla extracts uh it's really hard to source which is not surprising given where it comes from. I won't tell you exactly how they extract it because this is a family program, but okay. let's just say it, it, it involves milking and oh. that's as far as I need to go. Right. Well, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's you're milking the anal glands of a Ca beaver. Castor glands. Castor near glands. The near the anal glands. Okay. For, for, for a technicality. But yeah, I, I read that only around 300 pounds of this stuff are produced annually. And most mm. of that goes into fancy perfumes, right? It's very expensive. So it's probably not in your pantry, but it could be in your makeup cabinet, ladies. So, do, you know, do you know where this, you know. this beaver farm is located? We need to let these guys out. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Like, I don't want to smell like beaver secretions. That's okay. I don't need that. Wow. Um, but I think the takeaway here is really clear, right? If you see natural flavors on the ingredient list, I encourage you to do some digging. Be on the lookout for those vegan certifications, those non-GMO certifications, if those attributes are important to you. And don't hesitate to email the manufacturer to find out more. Mm. Mm. Okay. Are we, are we done with natural flavors? <laughs> I think so. I think so. 
Um, so we started this episode with a customer comment and I wanted to end this episode with a customer comment as well, this time about one of our bras. So we received an email, Rep, and the subject headline was hidden MSG. Mm. Well, that. that doesn't sound like something oh, that, that, that we, uh, that, that we want to be, be a part of. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So for the sake of transparency, I want to address this inquiry on our podcast because many customers might have the same question in the future. Mm -hmm. So the ingredient that's being brought into question here is the yeast extract that we use in our shiitake mushroom broth. And this is the only one of our broths that has any yeast extract in it. And there's a very specific reason for it, which I'll get into in a second. But I want to start off by saying to whoever wrote this email, thank you. I understand and appreciate your vigilance around ingredients. I'm one of those people too, clearly, right? So I stay away from MSG. It's one of the reasons I really enjoy shopping at Whole Foods Market because it's one of their banned ingredients. You won't find a single MSG containing product in any Whole Foods Market store. Um, and like Whole Foods, Plant Strong has never and will never allow MSG in any of our products. But there are some common misconceptions out there about natural glutamate containing ingredients like yeast extract and synthetically derived highly concentrated glutamate containing ingredients like MSG that I wanna address. So Rip, our friends at Whole Foods actually published a really great mm -hmm. article uh, about this back in 2008. I think they were also probably getting some emails about this specific ingredient, it sounds like. Yep. And <clears throat> the article was published by the quality standards team. I don't know if you knew anybody from that team, but their job, they describe their jobs as being an agent for the Whole Foods Market customers. So they are professional rabbit hole travelers. They get deep into the chemistry, they question sourcing, they question processing, they question preservation methods of any and all products that they're putting on yeah. shelves. So I have a quote from their article that I'd like to read. And they start off by saying this, ongoing confusion about this ingredient is complicated and requires us to look at some of the chemicals responsible for food tasting good. The term glutamate refers to a number of foods, a number of forms of glutamic acid an amino acid found naturally in many foods. Cheese, milk, meat, peas, seaweed, and mushrooms are a few of these foods containing the highest levels of natural glutamate. Mm. And this substance is responsible for the phenomenon of umami, right? That great savory, meaty flavor that we love so much um, about mushrooms. MSG, on the other hand, is a synthetically derived, highly concentrated flavor enhancer that is almost completely made up of glutamates. It's so powerful that just a few drops can drastically change the flavor of a dish. It's also so powerfully concentrated that it can cause severe reactions in people who are hypersensitive to it. The article goes on to say that a number of consumer groups have claimed that certain food ingredients, such as autolyzed yeast, AKA yeast extract, are MSG in disguise. They are not. Autolyzed yeast is a completely natural ingredient that happens to have substantial amounts of glutamates, but nowhere near the concentration found in MSG. Mm. These, are, 
these are natural ingredients that are of concern for people with specific sensitivities, but they are not MSG. And they end the article with this line, we draw a clear line between natural glutamate containing foods, which we allow, and highly concentrated MSG, which we don't. So I loved this article. I felt like it really kind of laid out um, some really clear and specific differences. And in this instance with this product, we aligned ourselves to the whole foods market quality standards. And to achieve that rich umami flavor, we greenlighted yeast extract for our mushrooms too. So I would say for those with sensitivities, I would suggest sticking with our other three broths. Um, but for, for those who don't have a specific food allergy, um, you know, I hope I cleared up some of the, the myths and misconceptions there. And we'll post that article in the show notes as well so that folks can read it. And I'll just end with saying, you know, I want to encourage all listeners to keep questioning, keep sharing your thoughts. We love hearing from you. And like I said, we don't shy away from those challenging questions. So you know, we, we do value continuous learning, continuous improvement, both personally and with our products. So be vocal, reach out, and and please do stay connected. Yeah, thank, thanks, Jess. And, you know, thanks to the, the, um, the consumer that sent in that email. And thanks, Jess, for doing your digging and, uh, and getting to the bottom of what's going on with MSG and yeast, yeast extract. And, and all that. You are the, the heroine of healthy ingredients. <laughs> Thanks, Rip. Yeah, it's literally, it's literally my job. And like I said, I love a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, in wrapping up, just, you know, everybody, we'd love for you to um, go to your local Whole Foods, see if the broths, the chilies, and the stews are on the shelf. Um, use those 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 phones, check out those QR codes for some really um, recipe-inspired dishes from Brenda Reed. And um, man, we just we hope you love these as much as Jess and I love putting these together and working on them for the last 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have been a long time coming, and, and we are proud. They are like exploding out of my head. You can see. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, Jess, uh, anything else before we uh, sign off and say goodbye? No, I think that's I think that's it, Rip. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure, and um, I look forward to the next episode of Snackables. Yeah, me too. All right, everybody. Peace, Engine Two. Keep it plant strong.